Hello, and welcome to another chance for youth. We have always heard that it takes a village to raise a child. However, here at Another Chance for Youth, we know it takes a nation. Children and young adults deserve true love, a good education, and the chance to enjoy their childhood. Join us as we help the youth today to have a better tomorrow. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Alexis with Another Chance for Youth. Here on the line, I have Tawanda and Doug. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you. And yourself? I'm great. And with that, I'm going to hand the show over to you, Doug. All right. Thank you, Alexis. And uh, welcome, everyone, to another Chance for Use. Uh, my name is Doug, and today I'm going to be hosting this podcast, which I've entitled Theodore Gazzo, What is Your Canvas? But before we jump into today's story and, and today's talk, uh, Alexis, I, I just want to ask you, have you ever heard of Theodore Gazzo? No, I have not. I'm, I'm sure you really have. You probably know Theodore Gazzo by another name, and uh, basically give you a, a, the listeners a quick story. Here is the individual, Theodore Gazzo, who was told by his high school art teacher that he couldn't draw in 27 different um, publicists told him that he couldn't write. And it would have been so easy for Theodore Gazzo just to give up on that. So high school art teacher told him he couldn't draw. Publishers told him that he couldn't write, but thank goodness that he never gave up, that he still believed in himself and the talent that, that he had, because on that 28th try, the publisher said yes, and that is when he started his book career, writing books for, for children. And his first book was, And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street. Today, you know Theodore Gazzo simply as Dr. Seuss. So we're going to be talking about uh, Dr. Seuss tonight, and one of the things that um, I want to ask you, uh, Alexis, is what is your favorite Dr. Seuss book? I'm sure that as a kid growing up, you read uh, uh, books by Dr. Seuss. Do you have a personal favorite? Uh, honestly, to truth be told, I did not grow up with Dr. Seuss. I grew up oh, no. with... Um, I grew up with the Little Bear collection, the one that had Emily oh, yep. and Franklin the Turtle. But I uh-huh. do know the only Dr. Seuss book I know is The Hat, The Cat in the Hat. What about Green Eggs and Ham? I yep. never Those heard of that one. Oh, no. What? <laughs> But but this is Tawanda, and I'm telling you, oh, my gosh, I never knew the real name for for Dr. Seuss all those years, so that's amazing. And I also have to say, oh, my gosh, your voice on here is incredible. Goodness gracious. Amazing podcast voice. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, Dr. Seuss has really touched millions uh, of children, uh, throughout the ages, and both of those books that you just mentioned, Green's Eggs and Ham and The Cat in the Hat, are, are actual books that uh, a lot of our listeners have probably read. Maybe even some adults that's listening uh, to this podcast uh, have read them as well. Myself, uh, one of the, the my favorite books that, uh, that I have of Dr. Seuss, and I still have it, is called Oh, the Places You'll Go. Uh, and that's one of the last books that he, he's written. 
that's a book that's very popular for high school graduates or even college graduates. And I'll, I'll tell you how much that I, I love the Dr. Seuss theme in terms of the places you'll go, because I think it's really an optimistic um, uh, book that really just lays out that, you know, there's really no boundaries except for our own imaginations. We are the ones that's going to be putting limits on ourselves, not others. Matter of fact, my sister-in-law um, uh, painted a canvas for me of the map of the world. I'll stretch out on this canvas, and in big white letters, it says, oh, the places you'll go. And I've got it hanging up in my office here at the house. Uh, it just kind of reminds me and gives me a little of a, a bit of energy. And now that we're living in the COVID environment, I also have a, a mask that my wife made me. Uh, that says, all oh, the places you'll go with Dr. Seuss. It really just tries to, to drive home that that uh, optimistic message that, that I think not only Dr. Seuss has, but I think it's what uh, that we want to give here on Another Chance for Youth um, as well. So let me just dive in right here and, and really talk about, uh, when I talk about Canvas, what, I'm, what am I really referring to? So uh, back in 1960, uh, there was a bet that was made for $50. So imagine that, $50 uh, was the bet that was made, and it was uh, Bennett Cerf, I hope I'm saying that right, C-E-R-F. He was the founder and publishing publisher of Random House, which you probably have heard of Random, Random House that publishes a lot of books. And so he made a bet with Dr. Seuss that Dr. Seuss could not write a children's book using only 50 words. Now, think about that for a second. If somebody came up to you and gave you a challenge and said, you can only use 50 words in order to write a book, would you be willing to accept that challenge? 50 words isn't a lot, is it? Actually, no, it's not a lot. For 50 words, I probably could curtail it into a very short story, but I would have to be very descriptive or careful with my words. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I could do that uh, because 50 words, it, it doesn't sound like a lot. And I think a lot of times what people do is look at that as you've defeated yourself before you even got started because somebody's putting a handicap uh, or constraints on your work. But Dr. Seuss, as you probably know, um, won the bet, and the result was the book Green Eggs and Ham. And since the publication of Green Eggs and Ham, he has sold over 200 million uh, copies of the book, making it one of the most popular Dr. Seuss books and one of the best-selling uh, children's books in history based on a challenge of only 50 words. So it's amazing what you can do when you just put your mind to it in terms of things. Uh, so at first glance, some people might think of this being very lucky or uh, as a fluke, but I think individuals that really believe in themselves will turn that challenge, just, just that, into a challenge, something that they are going to try to compete against themselves with. And so that's the kind of the canvas that I'm, I'm referring to in this story is what is, what, is the, what is your canvas? What is your challenge that somebody's going to lay upon your feet and you're either going to accept it or you're going to walk away from it? And that's one thing that I, I really hope the youth uh, today knows that they're going to be 
provided a lot of different challenges. They're going to have a lot of different constraints out there. And instead of walking away from it, embrace it. So I would argue that there's power in constraints. And what do I mean by constraints? By, and that simply is by setting limits on yourself. So let me stop there. You, either one of you have any constraints that you put on yourself? Do you ever put limits on yourself? Hi, it's Alexis. Yes, at times uh-huh. I do put limits on myself only because I like to think that while it's perfect to dream and in an alternative mm-hmm. reality, you can dream as big or as lavish as you want. In reality, sadly, you can't dream as big as you would like because reality is always going to be. I do put mm-hmm. a limit on to how far I want to push myself. Because, yes, I know there's the same barriers are made to be broken, but sometimes Mm -hmm. knowing myself, I just don't like to push myself that far only because I hate failing. Yeah. Well, I love what you said there is that you put constraints on yourself, that you know yourself. And I think that's really powerful uh, that kids need to hear today is that it's okay to take a look at themselves internally and see what are their weaknesses or what are some of the things that would maybe stop them from, from going to the next level? And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Matter of fact, I think setting constraints can be a very powerful thing for individuals, especially kids. So setting limits for yourself Absolutely. I think is a good thing. I think setting limits well, for yourself this is Well, Mr. Tawano, I go wanted ahead. to answer that yeah. question you just asked. Oh, can you yes, hear me? Go ahead. I can. Yeah, I just wanted to answer that question Alexa, Alexa just answered. I I would say that in life I have had times to where I have limited myself, however, now, and for the last seven, eight years, I've lived a limitless limitless life. If I want it, I'm going to figure out a way to get it, and if I fall down, I'm getting back up. Every night, I I say to people a lot of times, people just really don't understand it, so I'm always super Mm -hmm. excited to talk to the youth because the world is our oyster, and whatever we want, Put a plan in place, set a goal, and go get it. And if first you don't succeed, try, try, try again, especially if you want it. Sometimes at night when it's time to even go to bed, I can barely even sleep because my dreams and goals are still flashing by of things I want to do and I need to do. So right now, there is no limit. If I want it, I'm going to do everything in the world I can to get it. And guess what? At the end of the day, People are going to say one or two things. I wish I had. I'm glad I did. And I'm going to always say I'm glad I did. You see, I really, I really admire her outlook because she's the kind of person that breaks barriers because she's going to keep on going, mm-hmm. achieving her dreams and dreaming bigger and bigger. I, on the other hand, I'm somewhat a perfectionist when it comes must-have goals in my life. So I'm a control freak, Right. <laughs> if I don't have control over a situation, it makes me the most uncomfortable person in the room. So the reason why I like to put myself in little boxes is because I can control the situation and my environment a lot better. I'm one of those people where don't touch. No, I have things a certain way. And when somebody moves something of mine, it drives me nuts. It really does. 
Well, and, and that's okay because we need a little bit of everybody in the world to make this world um, what it is. Wouldn't you agree to that? Um, wouldn't it be boring if we were all the same and we walked around the, um, this earth with the, with the same attitude and the same uh, set of drives? I hate, I hate boring. Absolutely. I hate boring. But guess what, Doug? I also did not Alexis was a control. That is very good to know. You can't play with her toys. Now I know that. <laughs> it's not yes. that you can't play with my toys. Okay. I was the child where when I, you, before computers, right, when you were a child, uh-huh. you would handwrite your assignments. I will start over my writing assignment. Oh, wow. If one letter or one word was outside the margin. It did. It drove me nuts. And I was the child that had to have super neat handwriting. If it was not, if the paper was smudged, if it was the wrong ink color, if one period or a letter or a word was outside the margin, I'm starting all over. It drove my mother nuts. It drives me crazy listening because there's either knowledge on ice or ignorance on fire. I've always been ignorance on fire. I'm like, come on, Alexis. It's been two weeks already. I'm still waiting. Are you coming? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're talking about constraints, and I I think this has been a great conversation that we've had. I'll I'll just kind of wrap up the power of constraints real quick by saying – Setting limits on yourself is not necessarily a bad thing, uh, whether that involves how much time you have to work out. Maybe you're, you're, you're a, a, a young person that uh, wants to work out, or maybe it's the number of words that you can use in an essay that maybe a, a teacher uh, has given an assignment with. Uh, these can also bring better results by keeping your options open. And I'll give an example of how Dr. Seuss did this. This was something that Dr. Seuss uh, not only did it one time with the bet uh, regarding uh, green eggs and ham, but he also did that with the cat in the hat, which was he used the constraints of only using a first-grade vocabulary list in order to write that book. So he was not afraid to kind of challenge himself or put some constraints on him, on his own work when he was doing this. And so I think by doing this, you can have uh, some good results. But I also would argue that constraints can also uh, inspire creativity. So let's say that you're a, a, a five-foot uh, tall basketball player, and you have to figure out a more creative way to score against somebody that maybe is six, uh, six foot in terms of that. So having constraints can also bring out the best in us, as, as what I would say. And so don't look at those constraints as always being negative, but look at them as ways that you can be creative uh, and be able to overcome whatever obstacle, whether it's, you know, playing basketball or maybe you're babysitting and you're babysitting a one-year-old and you're going to be babysitting for four hours and that that child, that young child is taking uh, every minute of that four hours up. you got to be creative in order to know how you're going to handle some of the different situations out there. Um, maybe some of our listeners are in 4-H. Give you just another quick example. Uh, might be in 4-H, they might have a project, or, or they just love photography, and they're setting the constraints on themselves 
of using maybe only one type of lens in order to get a shot that they were looking for. So being creative and making sure that they can, they can figure things out. So setting limitations on ourselves is not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes that can bring out some very creative ways uh, that we didn't even know uh, before. Um, I'd also say that constraints can force you to get things done. Now, sometimes um, <clears throat> we can look at that as um, being um, we procrastinate a little bit, but we will talk about that in just a few uh, minutes. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how constraints can force us to get some things done. Hi. It's Alexis with another chance for youth here with some youth buzz news. On September 15th in Ottawa, Canada, more than 120 youth leaders from across Canada gathered virtually to discuss the future of work in a post-COVID-19 world. The hashtag FFWD2020 Summit hosted by Community Foundations of Canada Future Launch, allowed youth to identify the most pressing issue for them around the future of work and to propose solutions. Key concerns being addressed by youth at the summit included universal basic income, financial literacy, the gig economy, community mobilization, and systemic inequality. Delegates are working together to brainstorm concrete ideas and projects to respond to these challenges with a focus of building the future of work they envision. Back to the show. All right. Thank you. So we were talking right before the break, we were talking about how constraints can force you to get some things done. Uh, does either one of you ladies uh, find that constraints can actually bring out the best in you and, and force you to get some things done? I know sometimes we look at that as being a procrastinator. Sometimes people look at that. But do you think constraints or deadlines actually work for you? Absolutely. This is Tawanda, and I wanted to go before Alexa because she's always ready to go first. So as you were talking, Doug, I was thinking about, yeah, I know, like she, she definitely – it won't let me go first unless I just take it over. So I was thinking about two movies, though, that were amazing. One, mm-hmm. I know you're going to remember this. One of my favorite is Facing the Giant. Oh, uh, oh Doug. Yeah. Don't tell me you hadn't seen that. Oh, I have. I have. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, yeah, that movie, because it was just really an example about um, someone having strength more than they really realized with that guy. So it was a crazy, amazing show. And also my, my favorite of all time is paying it forward. When someone tells you you can't do something to show them you can do it. So I agree. Like having a deadline or being pushed or being held accountable, those work for me too. Whatever it takes to be able to achieve the goal. I'm all about accountability. Like I was just saying earlier, if I really want to get things done, I have to put things in place to make it happen. And sometimes those things in place, or other people holding me accountable, or setting goals and deadlines for myself, et cetera, et cetera. But absolutely, thing to for accountability is very helpful um, for me. Well, this is Alexis. Before Tawanda just had to go first. <laughs> um, I used to be a nursing student, so I might get in trouble for this. But I like to write my papers about 
the ne- the day and a half before they're due. I'll do all my research and I'll have all my ideas planned out, but I write better when I am pushing against the deadline. Because when I have all the time in the world to write, I tend to procrastinate. I like to watch YouTube videos. I get so distracted. <laughs> but when it comes push to shove, I do my best writing under constraint. And then I always get the comment, oh, your paper is so good. And I'm so glad you utilized the whole semester. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm so glad to know that about you, Alexis. I didn't know that you were a procrastinator. And that's why I've asked you for stuff three times, and now I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to remind you a month in advance, and then I'm going to ask you the day before, because you like to work under the gun. Thank you so much for sharing that. I need to know that. See, I told you guys I was going to get in trouble for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, just look at constraints as, as a way that can force you to be very productive if you use it in the right manner. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way that you can look at things. And so some things that you should be asking yourself is, what constraints are you uh, setting for yourself? What type of schedule do you have for the goals that you want to achieve? And I think that's really key is making sure that you have some type of schedule for the goals. I'm not a big fan of saying that it has to be written down in a tablet or in stone, chiseled in stone. I think it's something that should be flexible because as as a child, as you grow, as you Uh, get involved in other activities and organizations, your goals and your dreams are going to change. And I I, I think that's that's a healthy thing. I think that's a a wise thing to do. So look at your uh, schedule as being just that, kind of a rough outline of what you want to do in order to achieve your goals. But don't use it as simply that, oh, I've got it written in stone here. I don't believe that. I think that uh, especially even at my age of 47, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. My goals are changing uh, sometimes on a daily basis. And I think that's good. I think that's healthy. And I think that's wise in terms of that. Um, We also want to look at constraints as not being the enemy, you know, make sure that these constraints are are not the enemy. Uh, So often we spend time complaining about things that we have to do. Maybe it's homework. Maybe it's chores around the house. Maybe your parents are telling you you have to go out and get a job. Uh, Some of these constraints, uh, like I said, are not going to be the enemy. So you have to ask yourself, um, I don't have enough time to work out, or I I can't eat the kind of foods that I want because I want to be on a diet in order to play football or in sports, or uh, maybe I want to be able to do what I want to do. I know I've got two boys, and sometimes when when we throw the chores out to them, one of the big things that we get after their homework and they do some chores around the house is they don't have time to do what they want to do. And I think a lot of it is because they put constraints on themselves. They are procrastinators, and they think that if they just kind of, uh, you know, him haul around that we'll forget about it. And really what it's doing is cheating themselves in the process. So make sure that uh, – you don't look at constraints as being the enemy, but you get those things done as quickly as you can so you can move on to do the things you would like to do. In may terms I say of that. something? Absolutely. May I, may I say something? I think it's important for our listeners, especially the youth, to know themselves. Because me, I work well under the gun. You 
I don't want you to think, oh, because Alexis can write a paper in a day and a half. I can do the same thing. Trust me. It doesn't work for everybody. Some people have learned that the hard way. While I did write my yeah. paper in a day and a half, I already did my research. I didn't research my paper two days before it was due. I don't suggest you do that. because There's a lot of reading <laughs> and you don't want to get caught for plagiarizing. Trust me. All right. right. So I... Uh, for some things, I procrastinate. For other things, you don't have a choice. You're just going to have to do the research. You're just going to have to get it done. But Doug is correct. If you get the things that you need to do out of the way, you have more time to enjoy doing the things that you want, like playing football or hanging out at the mall. Do kids still do that, hang out at the mall? I feel old. <laughs> yeah. Not right now, too. but Doug, Doug, may I comment, please? Yeah, please, please. Yeah, what I wanted to say is you were talking about your boys. I was laughing because I remember, and I'm a person that's not a parent, but I've definitely been a child and still, of course, will always be to my parents. And my dad used to always say, you're procrastinating, you're not doing it, but this is what you're going to have to do. Now, you may never get to do what you want to do, but I'm not going anywhere. So sometimes I know kids think if they kind of drag around and procrastinate, you'll say, Oh, well, don't worry about it. Go ahead and have your fun. But parents are always smarter than kids, even 20 years later. Yeah. So I just want to say kudos to you and your wife for, for having that structure because, you know, I know I needed it as a kid, and I know that kids still need it. And, and it's, a, it's a life lesson, like you just said. And I know yeah. that it's going to be so vital to all of our listeners, parents, and the children. Do your chores. Do what's needed. So you can get out the way, so you can get on to those things that you really want to do on your iPhone 11 Pro or whatever it is that these kids are using these days. See, it's so not fair that the youth nowadays have so much technology. When I was in high school, okay, I'm going to feel old. I'm 34, (laughs) right? When I was in high school, we had cell phones, but they were the flip phones. Right, yep. stylish flip phones, and we had computers, but they weren't um, iPads and stuff like that. So, like nowadays, when I see parents buy back to school supplies, a lot of it has to do with technology, and I'm like, huh? They do yep. everything on the computer now. Whatever happened to the good old days when you had to take notes by hand? By hand is how you learn best. Yeah. Well, Take my and, word uh, for it. it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny that you guys were talking and something that you'll find out about me. I, I love reading books. I've got, uh, ooh, my wife sometimes wants to kill me because I buy so many books, but I have a, my own personal library of, of roughly about 3000 books. And there's a book that I have in there. It's called eat the frog. And it's based on something that Mark Twain had talked about. Has either one of you read or, uh, or know anything about the story about eat the frog that, Mark Twain's talking about. I'm not familiar. Tell me about it. Yeah, so basically what the concept is very quickly is um, what happens to most people, they put off what they hate doing the most to the very end. And what happens is they dread it. So if I was a kid. That's so true. Oh, my gosh. I do it all the time. Go ahead. 
Yeah, and yeah, and and so let's just say that uh, I'm a um, I'm a child, and and my parents come in and say, "All right, Doug, you need to get the dishes done, but you also need to take out the trash and mow the yard." And let's just say, taking out the trash is not a big deal. I like mowing the yard, but I dread doing the dishes. And so what happens is, I'm taking out the trash, I'm mowing the yard, and I'm finding a million other excuses of not doing the dishes. Right. So the concept of eat the frog is do the thing that you hate doing first or the most first, and then the rest of your day or the rest of your task, you'll be looking at things more productive instead of dreading to do those. And so the concept of eat the frog is do the things that you or you tend to like the least first and then the rest of your day or the rest of your tours will be a little bit more sunny or a little bit more optimistic when you're, when you're um, um, the task of doing those, those uh, traits, or not traits, but those, uh, I want to say assignments, but those uh, chores. I don't know why I could say the word chores, but <laughs> of those tasks. So I hope that makes sense when I talk about eat the frog uh, in, in, in terms of that. Um, and then really the last thing I want, yeah, the last thing I really want to talk about uh, on the podcast tonight is what is the size of your canvas? Now we talked to at the beginning, Dr. Seuss, he had a challenge of writing a book with no more than 50 words and he got a 200 million copies sold of green eggs and ham, which a lot of kids have read. But my question then is to not only the audience, but to you ladies is, what is the size of your canvas? Do you know what the size of your canvas is? And how do you see yourself working that canvas? Um, the size of my canvas right now is about the average size of one of the large paintings that you would see in a museum. Oh, uh-huh. because I divide my canvas into sections. I have my personal life that I get to deal with my family, which is a pain in the butt, and I don't want to. <laughs> I have a section for school where my advisor is riding my butt because she wants to know if I'm ever going to go back to nursing or I'm going to complete my degree as a health science major. I have my work side where... A lot of things need to be done to get things off the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And then I mm-hmm. have the itty-bitty tiny of canvas space left for my romantic relationship, but that's perfectly fine because right now he's sick and he's not feeling all that well. He's having his treatments. So the itty little bit of space that he lives on my canvas is there. I'm aware that he's there, but he's mostly right. asleep after treatment, so I don't have to deal with him. So I know that's a horrible thing to say, that I'm not really paying attention to my old boyfriend, but, yeah, he's a blip on the canvas somewhere right now. My biggest concern is the work one, and then I have yet to email my advisor back about that nursing comment. They ask me every semester, and my answer is always no. Right, yeah. What about you, Tawanda? What's the Interesting size of your canvas. canvas? Well, I'm, oh, what about your canvas? I'm almost afraid to ask. I know it's about the size of a room, right? Or is it bigger? <laughs> no, it's actually about the size of a football stadium. Because I have a goal to be a part of changing the world. 
and I have for a very long time. You know, all my life I have been working to help people in some form or fashion ever since I was in the third grade. I've always been a helper. I've always been a server. And one time I joined this network marketing company about 17 years ago, and the guy that created it, he talked about how he wants to be a part of changing the world by helping create as many millionaires as anyone ever lived. And people that were sitting around me was laughing, but I looked in his eyes and I saw that he was telling the truth. And he passed away a few years ago. However, he's been a part of creating thousands of people that made millions. And it was he just really had an incredible story. And when he said that, I went to bed thinking, what did I want to do? And the biggest thing that makes my heart beat, skips a beat, is just really helping and changing the world, being a part of it. And that's why my canvas is as large as a football stadium because I'm looking to work with so many amazing people like Doug, like Alexis, and like those of us listening that want to join the movement as we reach millions of children across the globe to give them this information. And I want to say this to you, Doug. I was saying to myself just now, is this call for the youth or is this call for us? Because (laughs) I forgot about Eat That Frog. My success mentor 14 years ago taught me about that, about procrastination, and I had never heard Mm -hmm. it again. And you just reminded me because I don't do that. She had me doing it, and I fell out of it. But due to your call tonight, I'm going to start doing the things I don't want to do first. So thank you for this call tonight. (laughs) See, I have always been the kind of person that relate well to the youth and to children because I'm a child at heart. I've seen every Disney animated film more than once. Hey, give me a break. I grew up in the 90s. What did you expect? That was Disney's greatest era. Okay? Yes, I know about Cinderella. Um, I know all about The Little Mermaid. I know all about Snow White and stuff like that. I don't like the newer animation films. They They leave a little something to be desired. But regardless, I've always been the one that relates. Well, to children, I love playing with them. I would be the adult that will be willing to sit down in the mud and build a mud pie with a toddler. And no, I will not eat it. But yes, I will hold on to it even if there is a worm in there. So I am so excited for this chance to reach out to youth because I want to give the youth of today what I didn't have as a youth. Because when I was a teenager, I wish there were so many programs or there were were so many adults who had a passion to help children. And not to say that my teachers didn't care or not to say that the counselors did, but like I just didn't get that much support as a teenager. So I'm so excited to join to help support some youth out there to get out to encourage you guys to keep on going. Because I hate to put it this way, you are the future generation. And I kind of want to ensure that by the time I'm an elderly woman sitting in a rocking chair, the people that are taking care of me or the people that are um, running the economy can do so with sanity and can do so with like um, ideas not like just grinding every day I want somebody out there to build whatever it is they do to change the future maybe somebody can build something that could get me to hover in the air and go to the grocery store without having to drive and deal with all this traffic (laughs) I love it. 
Well, uh, let me just say that uh, I think both of you are spot on, and I really love the, the passion that you guys are talking about. And, you know, something I, when you were talking there uh, that reminded me of my uncle, uh, who unfortunately passed away about five years ago, but what he said to me really, really stuck with me. He said, what's great about seeing graduations in May of high school students is that so many times those students or those kids are walking across that stage they believe that they're going to go out there and conquer the world. And so many times those dreams and those, those ideas die shortly after. Uh, and, and thank God a few actually make it and, and, and achieve what they're, what they're um, wanting to do. And they have that uh, passion to, like you said, change the world. And I think both of you were two that never gave up on your dreams and was able to, uh, really fulfill that dream, and that's what we're doing here tonight is really trying to reach the youth and inspire them and talk to them and let them know that no matter how old you are, where you go, your dream's still alive. And I think that's a really powerful message uh, that should be reinforced to our youth today in terms of that. Um, so when it comes to the size of your canvas, just just – a couple of things to keep in mind. It doesn't matter if you only have 30 minutes to work out, uh, to get in shape for basketball or football. It's your goal. So be it. That is your canvas. That's the size of your canvas. Uh, if you only have 15 minutes in order to write to get an assignment done or study for a test, so, so be it. That is your canvas for that particular day uh, and for that particular time. Maybe you want to, to uh, get on a diet and you can only eat certain types of food. That's your canvas. The canvas doesn't have to be the size of a football stadium or a, a, one of a picture frame. The size of your canvas can change. It will change, and it doesn't matter the size. As long as you are painting a beautiful picture out there and you stay focused to that, the size of the canvas really doesn't matter. And as you grow, as you get older, that canvas is really going to change um, for you. It's going to get bigger. It's going to get smaller. That's part of life. That's the beauty. As you grow, as you, as you mature, that canvas size is going to change. And I think that's, that's one really uh, a powerful thing. Before we wrap it up, ladies, does either one of you have anything you'd like to say? I, I know I, I've just got one little comment that I would like to make at the end, but um, I'd like to open it up to, to you ladies. This is Wanda. No comment. Just, well, I do have a comment. No questions. Great call. Great information. And it's definitely helped me personally. So I just want to say thank you. Oh, you're you're very welcome. Thank you. I don't have any more comments to make. Yeah, I just wanted to encourage our youth to keep on dreaming and keep on pursuing your dreams. You never know. One of these days, you might just build that thing that changes the world. Yeah, and, and really what I would just want to say to the youth uh, today is a piece of advice my dad gave me when we were, he was dropped, my mom and dad were dropping me off at of college, and he pulled me aside after we got my residence hall all um, with all my junk up there. But they were getting ready to leave, and he pulled me aside, and he said, Doug, just remember one thing. No matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, remember all roads lead home. And I just want to leave that with our youth today, and, and I, I might even use that as my tagline. Just remember, all roads lead home. No matter what you're going through, where you've been, where you're going, you can always come home, 
and there's going to be a place. And that home may be right here at another chance for youth. Uh, but just, just keep your heads up and remember, we've all been through struggles ourselves. So, ladies, it's been a pleasure talking with you this evening. And just remember, like uh, Dr. Seuss uh, said, uh, just remember all the places you're going to go.